Hello and welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. Drunken Jaguar. Welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. We are here. It is the beginning of December. Your Jacksonville Jaguars are out of playoff contention pretty much now, right? And everything's a disaster. Bentley? That's the theme, man. The theme of this week is hyperbole. And uh, we're hearing a lot of it around the Jaguars uh, podcasts and coverage online reporters that Foles was the worst free agent signing in the Jaguars history, that the entire team is broken and needs fixing or a complete rebooting, that the front office uh, <laughs> uniformly sucks and should be replaced. A lot of, lot of these great claims, man. I want to explore them with you today. So uh, I don't think it's worth it to get too much into the Bucks game because it was brutal to watch, but I think we'll be drawing from that game for a few of our examples today. Definitely. All right. All right. So where should we start? Should we start with Nick Foles or what? That's the first one, dude. That's number one. So Nick Foles, uh, I kind of I just want to pose a question to you that is very simple. Okay. Nick Foles, dot, 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 what happened? Um, I think a lot of the reason that this whole Nick Foles sucks and blah, 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 we shouldn't have paid him is coming from Gardner Minshew's success, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because say Gardner Minshew, you know, he was drafted later. Say he wasn't very good. Say he didn't play at all. Say he played and he played really bad. I don't know. It just seems like the fans and everyone wants to see Gardner Minshew play because he, he brought that spark. But if no one had brought that spark in the first place, I don't think the Nick Foles hate would be as bad, in my opinion. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I think... I think there's a lot of flip-floppiness in the way that people are reacting to Foles' uh, performance. I guess to kind of summarize the what the way I've understood it is that we we went and signed Nick Foles over the in the offseason as uh, the final piece in our Super Bowl ready team. That we had a proven elite defense uh, and uh, and a quarterback was a, a game managing Sometimes surprisingly uh, clutch quarterback would be the missing piece to be filled for a Super Bowl run. So evaluating it that way, um, I think that we had high hopes for Nick with the money that we paid him. Of course, the famous four-year, $88 million contract in mind. That expectations were very high for Nick and fans were really excited, and I think we wanted to buy that optimistic side of things that, hey, look what this guy did for Philly two years in a row uh, recently, including the Super Bowl win, as well as another season-saving playoff run the year after. Uh, look at his early promise as a young quarterback with Philadelphia as well. So the guy's got you know some natural talent, and we were imagining that at least um, he'd be able to keep our team together without the rails falling off like last year with Bortles and Cody Kessler. So when, when shit hit the fan and when Nick was injured uh, in that first game, we, we, we held on to that optimism. And I think for some people it even got sweetened even more. I think they, they, they were like fantasizing over this idea of Nick as a really talented season saver who can, who can jump in in November and December 
and lift a team to the playoffs. I thought so. Yeah, so... I sure thought so. Jesus. I mean, how many times did we hear a spin on things where it's like, whoa, this is a this is a blessing. This is amazing. You know, Gardner comes in, surprises us with Minshew Mania, proves his worth as a potential future franchise quarterback. Oh, but Gardner still makes some rookie mistakes. He's still got the happy feet going on, and he's fumbling. So let's put in Nick who can, who can reverse that. And then now with Nick's three games in a row... Uh, Dropping the ball, pun intended, <laughs> we have abandoned that optimism for him. And um, I think I don't I think it's an overreaction. I think that like this to say, oh, Nick Foles, one of the big what is it? Uh, I think uh, uh, ESPN, right? Like failed experiment, right? Yeah, these kind of quotes. I think they're an overreaction for now. Um, is it true that he's not the season he has not yet been the season saving QB? Hell, yeah. Uh, are we going to be better off starting Minshew for the rest of the season, you know, and enjoying watching those games uh, kind of as a test run for Minshew's viability as a starter in the coming years? Yeah, also, hell yes, yeah. Agreed. Um, but I don't think the Nick Foles thing was like, I think I think we epitomized his signing way too much. We overreacted then. That was our problem then, not necessarily now. What do you think? I agree. And I mean, there was reason to have high hopes. I mean, we've seen what he's done and, December coming in for the Eagles but you got to remember it's it's a whole different situation different coaches different GM different mm. owner they have a different culture our favorite word <laughs> you know uh different playmakers and maybe he, he a different bond with the city it could be a number of things you know it could be the passion he played with there he played he loved that city and the city loved him and now he's just here and it didn't seem like he got the same love either to be honest. And a lot of that was because of Gardner Minshew. Yeah. That's true. Or else maybe the love would have been there. Yeah, that's a good point. But um, I, he's... Obviously, he doesn't seem like the answer. He seems like an average quarterback. I pretty much think he's above average at best anyways. He was never elite. He had one like really crazy season. But he is not the Jaguars' answer. And on top of that, I don't know if I agree with you about this whole, like, you know, the quarterback bringing the quarterback and we have that elite defense i think our defense was really bad last year mm. and it made the year before seem like kind of a fluke and then of course now this year you lost telvin who played pretty bad last year and then you know and even miles jack's been really bad this year jalen ramsey's gone fowler's gone darius has been hurt like just just a number of things but the defense was bad last year and it's just worse this mm. year that's we're going to talk about that in a second. I've got a section when we talk about the whole team, and then we'll move on to the front office. So, kind of looking at some of our some of the big topics we're hearing this week. Um, focusing on Foles, still, uh, I would argue that one of his you mentioned you know above average qualities. I think one of his above average qualities is his leadership. So the fact that he bonded with you know Philadelphia the last couple seasons, um, that he had charisma on the field that helped inspire the runs that he was a part of. I do think that's a real thing. I think that's a, that's a tangible quality that he had. And and I think he's tried to instill that here. I think it's one of the factors why they hired him. Um, I don't think he's bad at it. I think he, I, I would argue that he, you know, I, of course I would do, I would be around for $22 million this year. But <laughs> his presence in the locker room, his commitment to helping Gardner, even while Foles was injured, I, I do think these are all good qualities. Like So I don't, I don't think he deserves to be knocked for this, um, nor does he deserve the booze that he got. You know, as we know, Gardner even came out and no, spoke he, against he that in the press conference. But, but isn't he 
isn't he supposed to do that, be the leader? Isn't a veteran quarterback, especially one that's won a Super Bowl and led a team, supposed to help out the younger quarterback? Yeah. I know in certain situations they haven't. As a Big Ben didn't want Mason Rudolph Ooh, there a couple years wow. ago. I know Joe Flacco wasn't happy about the whole Broncos situation. But mm. typically as a or veteran Lamar quarterback, too, especially yeah. if you've won before, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's Ravens, that's what yeah. it was. It wasn't with yeah. Denver. It was Lamar Jackson last year. Yeah. So, but typically a veteran quarterback will step up, help the younger guy out, and you know be humble and have those qualities. Especially as a quarterback, as a quarterback, you're supposed to be a leader. It shouldn't be like, oh, he's a good leader. You know, if you're my quarterback, you're expected to be a leader. Yeah. You know, it's not something that should come with the role. Or you're right, and yeah, as we we're saying, I think I think the way his contract structured, he's actually making like twenty five or something this year. So, so yeah, for like twenty five million dollars, I would sure as I would be there with like a broken, I don't know, every fractured bone in my body, if if it meant that I secured that money that that I'm you know my future is based on for sure. But at the same time, I think that he does have a special quality with the leadership. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just speaking from a position where I'm just not used to it, like from the Bortles era. Bortles is always sort of struggling for okay. answers. You yeah. know, the famous uh, reports from his, like, even his practices. He would come out of practice, you know, <laughs> asking for feedback. Oh, how did that go? Like, in year four, right? Whereas, at the very least, Nick has an understanding of things um, and is more aware of what needs to be improved what, and worked on and how he should behave accordingly. So, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of my angle. I do have a, a major criticism of Nick Foles in regards to leadership, though. What's and that? that's that he, um, you know, and this is not to knock on him personally in terms of what he believes, but I don't think that his religious beliefs are, like, appropriate for press conferences. Um, and he, like, famously had, like, a mini sermon, like, two or three weeks ago. Oh, my God. Jalen Ramsey loved it, though, you know? <laughs> well, Jalen's another like, example, well, that's man. that's my boy, Nick. Jalen has a lot of religious exactly. tweets and everything. And I think that when you're mixing those, this is, like, your view of the universe with, like, explanations for for like how your football season's gonna go uh, i think it's actually disrespectful to that religion to begin with let alone it's just not the place to share it so uh, i'm not cool with that like the angle that he took in terms of like okay let's all make this like as if it's the end all be all which is ironically what he's not saying verbatim he's saying he's not saying he's saying like basically you know oh we may we may have adversity in football but this is Great, because it teaches important lessons in life, right? And like, we'll just be need to be patient and build a culture around the blah blah blah. But at the same time, yeah, like the very act of comparing your football experience to like real life, or, or kind of like trying to wrap it in as one and the same, I don't think that's very helpful. So I'm really not cool with that. I think that that actually might uh, be a contributing factor to people's disgruntlement with him, even at like a unconscious kind of layer. Is like this guy's saying all this stuff, but you know, where's our victories? Exactly. No, I, I definitely agree with you. I I don't I don't need any of that. I mean, I'm not hating on religion or anything, but For I don't sure. need that bullshit. Yeah. So with football, you know? Yeah. Like today, I believe Gardner was just like they were like, What's your motivation or whatever to <laughs> win the next game? He's like, I just want to beat their asses. That's what I want my quarterbacks <laughs> or have that mentality, right? I wanna I'm trying to kick kick yeah. their asses. They're across from me, they're the other team. I'm here to win football games. Yeah. I'm here to compete. <laughs> So, Nick, yeah, I, I agree with you. All that crap, yeah. don't yeah. like it. And the culture thing, I think that uh, it really ticked a lot of Jaguars fans off because they're like, dude, like, I know you have your Super Bowl ring and, like, you're saying this could take time and shit, but, sure. like, we don't have time. You sure. know, we want this now. We want it now. We've been waiting. We thought we had the team. We thought you were the answer. 
obviously you're not, but you know, it, I think that rubbed uh, Jack's fans definitely the wrong way. Saying, oh, yeah. you know, and it's week week thirteen or whatever, and he's saying this crap like the season's ending. Like, come on, man, we we can't wait forever. We want to hear we're gonna fix this tomorrow, and we're next week we're gonna win games or something like that. For you know? sure, something. Before we move on to the whole team issues, I've got one final point with Foles, and I, it's kind of a take, and I want to get your take back at me, right? So, for listeners of this show, what happens is Bentley usually says some fairly stupid conjectural shit and Assad comes in with a lot more football knowledge and corrects Bentley. All right. So here's here's my take. You ready? Let's hear it. All right, man. I I I wonder if it's not beyond the realm of possibility, with everyone talking about Nick Foles' contract eating up so much of our salary cap, with everyone saying how difficult it will be to trade him away now that he took away from his value by performing poorly in these three games that we'd have to almost give a pick away for someone to pick him up. We would still likely be paying his salary or part of his salary, a la Bortles. That's correct. Uh, even if he was, was to leave in the offseason. At the very least, we're, we, you know, we might do something where we keep him around as a very expensive backup quarterback next year, which could like psychologically F with the locker room. right? If your backup's making $22 million and underperforming the entire offense, right? except for Norwell. Then, right. <laughs> then, then you know, oh. it eats away at you, right? It oh. doesn't seem fair. Uh, here's my take, and please correct me that like this is illegal or something. Uh, I bet Nick Foles, out of his leadership and charisma and culture, uh, can come out and reconstruct, re- restructure his contract, take less money, <laughs> in in the hopes of a better team performance, and and I think it would immediately help his reputation, and it'd be like, yep, this guy he realized that he didn't answer what we thought he would be. Uh, he is not the answer. He is no Allen Iverson, whatever, right? And he's taking some humble pills, taking less money as a literal display of that. And we like him again. We'll, we'll gladly have him as a backup. What's what, what? What do you think? We would gladly have him back if he restructured. That's honestly true. But who would do that, especially after one year? Because he could <laughs> easily just say, "Well, you didn't really give me a chance. Our offensive line is shit." Yeah, you know, you, and they. I mean, you could say they didn't give him a chance. Yep. I mean, I, I could say the Jaguars didn't really give him a chance, but uh, we're sick of waiting. We're sick of seeing, you know, no results, drive after drive. And if you're gonna turn the ball over yep. that many times, yeah, you you got, you got to put in the next guy up, and he'd probably be the first one to tell you that, right? Like, holy crap, you got to put in the guy who's giving you yep. the best chance to win, as they say. So, I don't see him doing that, but yes, that would make him likable in Jaguars fans eyes but he's kind of a lost cause right now I saw uh someone tweet as a Jaguar fan because follow a bunch of them about how they feel Mm. bad for him which I understand like you know you you could tell you know he loves football he's been at it for years and years he wanted to retire and he just came back to it and now he's like benched but he got his money but I'm sure as a football player and competitor, it's not just about the money. You know, he probably feels bad that he didn't come in here and produce. And now he's probably thinking, hey, am I going to play here again? Am I going to start if, besides injury, besides if injury happens? Yeah. Am I going to play again here? Am I done? Am I going to retire? What's going to happen? Yeah. But yeah, I I don't see it. If he almost retired before the Philadelphia Super Bowl season because of lingering injury, then would he re- actually retire? It would now? make him look really bad, though. You know, after having won the Super Bowl, having two Philly runs, uh, getting a lot of money this year, could he give up next year's money to kind of like I don't want to say save face, 
but to kind of put an end to his career kind of where it might <laughs> it sounds so negative but where he might might deserve but you know of course not right like you're no. saying who the hell would do that you're making another 20 something million dollars this is life changing for your family for your future children future, future, uh, yeah. for generations for man sure. this is like yeah it's like a bump that you invest and then your your family set for for like decades so even if it even if it meant at the cost of your reputation or like of being humbled by being a uh, a backup sliding the pine right for like the the last year or two of that con- or three years of the contract even if he was allowed somehow to stay and be paid in the last two years of the contract I mean of course you of course you'd do it uh, I've got a question though like do you think I mean I mean did we did we really not get a fair shot at Nick, seeing Nick Foles this year um, people kind of posture they they say like hey this dude before he came back after the injury all we had on tape was his beautiful pass to chart for that first yep. touchdown against the Chiefs. This beautiful rainbow dime touchdown. Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he, maybe something happens. Maybe Gardner gets injured. I don't know. And Nick actually comes back and does a little bit well at the end of this season or maybe even next season. There's some people talking about a quarterback competition between Minshew and Foles. And you know what? Even though Foles, it was, this season was a letdown, hey, maybe we've got a new rejuvenation a uh, little bit more hope that he's on the offseason going to work on building that chemistry and and uh, coming back strong and actually competing with Gardner for the starting job next year. And it helps both of them. The competition helps both players. Uh, they both already respect each other, so it's not going to tear the team apart or anything. And then, you know what? Foles wins the starting job and has a decent season or something. Like, do you see any of this happening or am I, am I dreaming? You're not dreaming. But I think, like, a lot of things factor into it. One is the whole front office and coaching staff uh, versus – the fans of Jacksonville, because <clears throat> playing with their hearts, going Gardner, Nick Foles, it's going to be a quarterback competition. It's going to tick Jaguars fans off. They want to see Gardner Minshew, and that's a fact. I would say like 90% of Jaguars fans want to see Minshew. Second thing is if Marone is gone, or if they just clean house, depending on who gets fired, the new people that come in, what do they want? Do they want Nick Foles? Do they want Minshew? Are they going to make it a competition? Because if it's a new coach, there's a good chance it would be a, uh, you know, we're going to see who wins the job. It's not just going to be Minshew playing quarterback because they've never, you know, been a part of the team and been in the situations. So what do they know? There's a lot of factors into it. And I think it starts up top, definitely. So once we find out who's staying, who's going this offseason, then we will have our answer to that, I think. So there's a lot that hasn't unfolded yet. All right, man, let's let's switch over to t- whole team issues. All right, and we can kind of, there's a little nice little segue with this. People, Some people are saying, like you've already mentioned, the offensive line has been horrendous, especially this last game versus the Bucks. Um, that, I mean, the only reason that people are calling for Gardner Minshew is because he's got uh, quicker uh, feet and an ability to evade some of those pressures um, and still keep the play alive. So that's the offensive line. We talked about the defense, too. You, you mentioned the defense already kind of collapsing last year and stuff. So one, one of the ways people have taken it, again, our theme of hyperbole, they're saying this, this defense sucks. Like we've, We went from best to last defense in the course of two years. <laughs> I mean, for me, if I was going to take this position, I'd say, yeah, like we, it's, like, it's almost like we, we meticulously, like to, on these like little cheap, greedy, money-saving moves, we let go of Tashawn Gibson, um, who was one of my favorite players to watch in the 2017 season. Uh, we let he's, go he's good. of Aaron he's Colvin, another favorite player. 
Um, we we let go of Malik Jackson. I know he lost his starting position last last season, but he's still, uh, you know, he was a quality player. Um, you could even argue mm-hmm. Dante Fowler, right? Who's gone on to have a pretty you good career with the Rams, man. Like it may have just been a chemistry or overstacked defensive line. What I don't know, but we let go of a lot of people. Telvin Smith didn't come back, uh, and then now we have Jalen Ramsey walking this season. So I kind of want to throw you another take, um, which would be that the the Jaguars straight up depleted their glorious defense, and and that the the defense is ruined. How do you respond to that? That's true. You're right. I think so. I mean, I don't know. Let's start. We could start with the D line. You let Malik Jackson go. He he has been. I think he got hurt for the season for the Eagles this year. But he was a good player. You know. I are. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a good player. The Marcel Darius thing. They kind of trusted in him or whatever. The drafting. Eh. Obviously, drafting doesn't work that great for us because we're drafting him and then we're dumping him. Right. Dante Fowler was a good player. He just wasn't getting enough you know, snaps on the team. And now they don't want to pay Yannick. Are they going to pay him? They have to pay him. It seems like they have no choice at this point or else they'll lose everyone's faith and they'll just lose everyone's attention because the Jaguars fans, they have to see him back. But losing these guys, it hurt us. And AJ Boye is not a number one corner and it's starting to become apparent every week I'm watching him. He did a great job on Hopkins when they played, but then after that, it's been bad. He was getting exposed on Sunday pretty bad. Not good. I don't know if he's the answer. Trey Herndon, you know, he's just a fill-in player. He's just in there. Losing Jalen Ramsey was big. I don't care. I don't care. I'll say it because we don't know what the draft picks will end up being. You know, the Rams are good. Yeah. So who knows? It depends how you draft. And what, we're going to draft somebody and dump them off like we do everyone else, right? And um, we obviously don't draft the O-line well, which is what we're going to look to draft this year. We drafted like shit, to be honest with you. <sighs> I mean, the- okay, so Cam Cam and uh, Juwan Taylor, is this who you're talking about? Uh, yeah, but I'm even talking about Luke Jokel. Oh, okay. Like, these guys have not been good. I mean, we draft the D-line well, but what's going to happen? Dante Fowler, you let him go. Yannick, you're waiting to pay him? What, what else do you have to wait for? He's the only guy you want to pay on that team, right? On the defense, on the defense. So I don't know what the hell they're doing. And then, like you mentioned, Tashawn Gibson, very good player. You got him for a good price, and he played well with the Jaguars. He was pretty good last year, too. Barry Church was a piece of crap. And Tashawn Gibson's playing really good football over there in Houston, actually. So that makes it look even worse. And our safeties right now... Not good. Uh, Jared Wilson, you just he doesn't stand out. I think that's how I could describe him. Yeah. And Ronnie Harrison was playing well, but then he got hurt. And the defense is a mess. How about that secondary, huh? Yeah. How about one of the best secondaries in the league turning into nothing? It's crazy. You know, in a matter of a couple years. They say good defenses don't last forever. Ours lasted literally a blink of an eye, it seemed like. Season and a half, maybe some, uh, maybe some reemergences last year on occasion. Right, but not good, man. All right, so yeah, so you agree that the so you would say now the Jaguars right do not now, have anything I special think, as a defense. I mean, I watch a lot of other teams. I think they're the worst defense in football. What about offense? Um, I, you know, I would say it looks like after that AFC Championship run in twenty seventeen, a season where you and I both mentioned we we looked forward to watching games 
to see the defense. Like the offense might turn the ball over. The offense might punt. And I would get more excited to watch our defense than our offense. Right. Because you don't know what's going to happen. There could be like a game-winning turnover score, right? You could have at least some dominating three and out, like don't F with us, you know, punt it back kind of performance. It was a lot of fun to watch, but the offense really wasn't that special outside of uh, maybe maybe just Fournette um, and Keelan Cole on occasion. So so then last year it was pretty clear. Wow, you know, obviously like just <laughs> Bortles alone wasn't the only problem on offense. Um, and I think surprisingly we it seems like especially with the receiving core and then with the rededication from Leonard Fournette we we did we did kind of like. Uh, cultivate a nicer offense this year and one that's a little bit more fun to watch definitely um, and now of course Gardner Minshew right is a huge part of that now too uh, but you know still people are they're going around man I'm listening to these podcasts dude and it's it's like yeah we pretty much need to redraft every position we need to sign someone or draft every single position around the team and what a hole we're in with our salary cap issues now with Foles and oh, you know and then like terrible Obviously, you know, tight end right has been a disaster this season. But I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of that on offense. Like, I think that, you know, I like our receiving core. I think Leonard Fournette's, like, real deal. Like, it's been awesome to watch him, you know, I guess, you know, recommit and, and shift his focus. I love his emotion. I love him getting frustrated, not getting carries. I love that, like, I like this is like a story, right? Like, we're with the <laughs> hear about his conversation with Marcus Allen and his dad over that. That's awesome, right? Um, you know, Minshew obviously like could be a very mm-hmm. promising future uh, for the Jaguars too. But what's your take on offense? Like, do you think that the offense is also like similarly deple- depleted? Are we looking for like a rebuild on offense and defense alike? I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. But some do. I understand rebuilding the offensive line because it's still a disaster. The only time recently that I could think of this O line being good was that 2017 season, which they were pretty good. Because if you gave Bortles time to throw the ball, he was kind of average. I don't know. You know, he he would make a couple of plays. But the skill players are there. And Fournette, a lot of times he doesn't play well. And it just seems like as a running back, he does like a little bit too much and just doesn't run downhill like he should all the time. But we've talked about, you know, yeah. the leadership qualities have been big. He's been a great pass catcher, yeah. a great blocker. And did you hear about... Um, his little halftime motivational speech to the team on Sunday? No. Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. Uh, I think it was Calais. All I heard was the fight with Brandon Lender. Yeah, I heard about it. Okay. <laughs> he, he was, yeah, he, I love that shit, He was man. pumping everyone, everybody up, apparently, at halftime, you know, trying trying to get them going for the second half, yeah. which is, these are great qualities. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sold on Leonard Fournette. I like him a lot. Sure, he can do some things better. Is he a top five running back in our league right now? Maybe not. But there's room for improvement, and I like what he's doing. And then our receivers, like you talked about in 2017, it was like Q and Cole, basically. Yeah. And then, like, Dee yeah. wasn't doing shit. And Marquise Lee, I've always told Dee you. only at the end of the year. I, only at the end. Yeah. And, you know, Marquise Lee has never done anything, really, for the team. <laughs> no offense. He got some first downs. Yeah. He got some first downs when we needed them. <laughs> there you go. But, you know, he's never been – we've never had really – a really good receiving core since back in the day, it seems. Or I guess since Allen Robinson and Hearns. But mm. I like this core. And Didi looked comfortable on Sunday. That was his best game of the season, I would think. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had, he had a good uh, game. Got a lot of targets, and mm-hmm. he's been reliable. Yeah, yeah he's been reliable. 
and Chark, I you know I love DJ Chark. So um, I love how tough it is for the announcers to to say the right names whenever we have a receiver catch the ball. Like they're always mixing up Chark with Conley and Westbrook. It's crazy. I don't know why it's so hard. Like number eighteen is this player. Number seventeen is that player. That's it. They were struggling. I think it's because it was Fox. Yeah. This <laughs> they're week. Just like, they were really like struggling. unfamiliar. Yeah, they were bad. Yeah. They were really bad. It was Mark Schlitter, <laughs> too, who's a you know a Denver guy yeah. <laughs> here. Oh man, his partner, the play-by-play uh, guy, he was. It was bad. Last last section, and we're gonna wrap up uh, pretty soon here. Um, my last section is another big topic this week. It's the front office. Man, I went to sleep on Sunday night, uh, expecting to wake up, refresh that Jaguars ESPN page, and find, you know, Khan makes massive sweep. Marone, Caldwell, Coughlin, all gone. Uh, didn't happen, and now it's looking like it's maybe not going to happen till the end of the season that some big change comes. A lot of people are kind of in agreement that something's going to happen, but we just don't know what. So, I don't know, to maybe kind of prompt us here, I've heard a couple different takes uh, regarding each of these people, right? Coughlin, Caldwell, Marone. Let's start with uh, Doug Marone as the head coach. Uh, I've heard people say... Get rid of Marone, uh, you know, and just bring on a new head coach. I've heard others say you can fire everybody, but you might want to keep Doug Marone because he's not the problem. The problem is how the the whole roster has been handled at the Caldwell and Coughlin level. Um, so here's the take: uh, <laughs> uh, Doug magically stays; <laughs> the other rest of the front office goes. Is that is that silly? It's very silly. Yes, it is very silly. He he's got to go. <clears throat> He's he's had his trial run. I know he he picked up as like an interim coach or whatever, but is sure it's he's not the answer. And I don't even think we're that kind of football team anymore. That kind of you know smash mouth football team. What he preaches and stuff. And he was a he was an offensive lineman and mm-hmm. a you know old lineman coach as he is now. Basically, we've had terrible lines. The league has changed to where you know people want offensive coaches still, as you see. Our really good teams have really good offensive coaches. You know, if you see what Baltimore's doing, you see how unique they are. You see what San Francisco's doing. You know, the Saints do what they do. Yeah. I think it's time for an offensive coach, pure offense. Todd Todd Wash's got to go. I, I know we're not getting into that, but I would clean house. Except John DiFilippo. I think he should get a chance I, to stay. Yeah, with that said, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense that they should do that ASAP. Um, so I guess, I guess, and I heard there was tension between Marone and Coughlin on Sunday. I'm guessing that the issue is kind of this blame game thing. Um, if you admit faults, if you admit wrong, or if you blame someone else, so if you're like saying this person is our problem, then it kind of highlights you as maybe the problem too, right? So notoriously our front office, uh, Doug, not as much as Tom Coughlin and Caldwell maybe, but like they, they notoriously have not admitted faults and look to move on. It seems like they're kind of digging a deeper and deeper hole, taking more and more extreme risks <laughs> as time goes by to try to save their legacy, right? So now it's kind of like too little, too late. Um, so I don't know. I feel like maybe there's a there's like a stalemate um, where, well, you're, I guess, is it impossible to fire a GM and keep the coach? It shouldn't be. Not, not in this situation. So theoretic, theoretically, no. So it's not like, okay, it's not like they're one and the same. So like for for the Jaguars to fire Doug, 
and put DiFilippo as the interim coach, right? See how it goes. Offensive-minded mm-hmm. coach. It might be a magical piece. I'm sure he'll have a few victories the rest of the season. Um, give him that rock, that like tryout time, um, and then still be on the market for another head coach to, to actually hire and have that be kind of the competition, right? It's like either this exactly. guy versus John DiFilippo. That seems like it would be a right move, but I'm wondering if something's up there too. If like Coughlin, I don't know who fired is Caldwell fired Doug Marone, I guess. So if Caldwell fires Doug Marone, then there might be like a really negative reaction from the Jaguars fans. Not that Doug's gone and that Filippo's been promoted, DiFilippo's been promoted, but that wait, how are you firing people yeah, when, when we problem. think you're yeah. one of the main problems, right? You and and Tom Coughlin together. So it would it's like this weird stalemate where like they can't you can't blame someone else because you look like an idiot doing it. It reminds me of last year when uh, we like benched Bortles and uh, I think we fired Nathaniel Hackett like maybe in the same week or something like this and it just made made Marone look a little silly and as well as the other people that were you know staying on with the team another one is Todd Wash right which we which we like oh he's gone almost, he's a million know, percent seems, gone it seemed yeah, like a he's unanimous gone. he's gotta be gone Jeez. yeah yeah <laughs> some bullshit <laughs> yeah so yeah I don't know man um what do you think is going to happen with the front office like if I were to say hey you know make the call what's what's happening and when is I it love happening? what, what, you, what you mentioned earlier you let Marone go. They should have let him go right now. <clears throat> let John DiFilippo take over for now. Yeah. And they should have fired Todd Wash yeah. too. Let whoever's underneath him take over for now and ride out the rest of the season that way. Yeah. And then in, in the offseason, maybe just get rid of everyone. Seriously. It's come to that. But, you know, the Tom Coughlin situation, it's always tough because he's like a legend <sighs> yeah. in Jaguars fans' eyes. Even though, you know, yeah, he didn't bring a Super Bowl here. He did in New York, but... Or he didn't win a Super Bowl for the Jaguars. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the whole Denver Broncos and John Elway thing. Like people hate him for the way he do, does things with the Broncos, but but Ooh, then they're like, yeah. he's John Elway though. Like uh, exactly. So it player. comes down to that that kind of thing. But I think Coughlin's got to go too. It's, he's caused a lot of problems. He hasn't answered questions. He hasn't handled things professionally, in my opinion, and. Yeah, just need, we need change, man. You need change. I think one thing we're hung up on is the 2017 season, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah, we got to like all that. And whether or not it's a fluke or not, I think that's that's kind of like a subjective question. Exactly. It, it was a good season. It was a good season. And some things were very fortunate, but it was it was a it was a fucking amazing defense. That's like for sure. That's for sure. And that elite defense alone um, looks like it was enough to keep us take us to the next level. I bet. You know, the, the Steelers game in the playoffs where the offense went head-to-head with, with the Steelers offense and, and won mm, the game. Good times. That that was more fluke-like than the whole season <laughs> and still a lot of fun to watch. Like, it was it was awesome. But by, by, by the time— playoff Blake Bortles. Yeah, by the time—playoff <laughs> <laughs> playoff Bortles. By the time that we were—I uh, love my favorite nickname for Blake Bortles is um, after Bloke Bortles when he plays in the U.K., it's Choke Chortles. It's— uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So, uh, you know, you, you watch those games in the playoffs. Jaguars are deep in the third quarter, looking like they're going to win the game versus whomever, and they they cut they cut up to the the big box seats, the little office window, and Tom Coughlin's sitting there with a with a pen and paper, you know, looking astute and paying attention, like like no like no other. Right, and they say, you know, this is all all thanks to Tom Coughlin coming in, 
giving this organization a kick in the pants uh, and turning things around, <laughs> yeah. right? He looks like a genius, right? He's like he's literally like 500 feet up in the air, elevated above everyone in this little <laughs> glass cubicle thing, taking notes. And who, for all we know, he's probably like working out the yeah. day's crossword puzzle. But, but he looks like a genius, right? Like in that season, if you were to just like pause at that season, the entire team, like Marone, and I loved it when he'd come out and they say, hey, so how do you look at the season? What are you guys going to do? Are you going to make it to deep in the playoffs? And he says, you know, all we're focused on is, is winning the month. And he has this little, like, you know, little gimmicky, <laughs> like, niche philosophy about, you know, you're three and one in the month and you're going to do great oh, this yeah. season, right? You wind up 12 and four, four and have sure. a good chance yeah. at the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, yeah, like, duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. win the, the, win the quarters. Yeah, win the quarters of the month. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Yeah, I, well, when, he's, does, when yeah. they're winning, it sounds amazing. And then you start, you're like, oh, my God, you're so right. Like, we only, like, tied one month, 2-2, two, two, and, it, and it felt so bad. It's good to what be What about this quarter, these last four games? Let's go 4-0 this last quarter, boys. Get to eight, eight. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah, man. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's, there's, you know, we again, as fans, people have a tendency to kind of flip-flop a bit. We were praising the same people that we're calling to leave right now. Um, so, yeah, that's my take, man. That's where I'm at. Any final thoughts for you before we wrap up the episode? <sighs> man, all I got to say is we're Jaguars fans. We're stuck this way. It's a lifelong commitment so i mean all we could do is till we die baby till we die. sit back and enjoy the roller coaster without the seatbelt. <laughs> yeah um yep yeah, i'm just looking forward to watching gardner the rest of the season that's about it cool all right well then we we do indeed have something to look forward to yeah thank god it's been it's been a it's been a good episode good. thanks as always for for your wisdom cool uh let's talk next week let's do it again next week hopefully we get a w under our belt huh yes that would be or not thoroughly confusing and would hurt our draft position yeah exactly so maybe let's lose who knows <laughs> all right guys thanks for joining us today on the drunken jaguar oh yeah